Are layoffs a confession of bad management? I saw that clickbait on Fortune magazine. Pretty cool article. The gist of it is it's a sign of bad management when you look at company performance. So I'm with that point that it, it's not really a sign of bad management in terms of ethics, although a lot of society would like to foist that onto companies and still carry through the old 20th century idea that companies should take care of people financially for the long term. But I'm setting that aside because the part that I love is when it comes to company performance, which is what you're paid to deliver as an executive at a company, they do not, companies do not do well, according to this data and, and some of the people they spoke to, do not do well when they have these layoffs. So it's really a, a, a sign of failure. If you look at business as a sport, it's like changing the pitcher mid-season or changing your, your quarterback mid-season, or if you're in racing, it's like having a tire blowout out on the track instead of replacing your tire at the pit. So if you imagine those kinds of scenarios, what do people say? You stink, man. You're like, you're not running your game right. You've got something off or you've got confusion in your team. And it's all about that. So from my perspective, are layoffs a confession of bad management? Yes, definitely. When you look at it from the perspective of sports or the whole season of a sport. I found two data points in that particular article really interesting. Uh, data point number one was that a company uh, does not actually create more value for shareholders, does not actually uh, create greater net profits as a result of layoffs. If you look at a company that's just done a massive layoff, uh, you know, under the rubric of adjusting to the market, et cetera, we ramped up and now we've got to ramp down because the market's changed versus a company like Apple that uh, did not follow with massive tech layoffs uh, in the same way, you don't actually, you see Apple being extremely profitable, uh, retaining momentum, retaining huge cash flow, and you see companies that did massive layoffs not actually creating additional value by that saved labor cost or by putting more shareholder va share value back in the pockets of investors. The second data point, that seems counterintuitive, right? But the second data point uh, and I, I know you'll have thoughts about why that is. Uh, the second data point is that the recovery time uh, is actually more costly than uh, any value achieved by doing layoffs. So they looked at companies that did massive tech layoffs uh, that went back into an upswing. And the cost of sort of resetting, trying to get restarted, the, the opportunity cost of, low, uh, of lost momentum was far greater uh, than they anticipated, and the experience uh, was was one of probably the worst uh, uh, results of mass layoffs. Yeah, this this phenomenon of recycling, uh, recycle time, is a thing across teams everywhere. Whether we're talking about sports, you hear you hear it in in experienced uh, military commanders, where you can't have that lack of cohesion. You can't have that disruption because it makes you vulnerable and sure enough now we've got data stock price data and financial performance that kind of shows that when you have a big disruption in your organization it starts to reverberate through and it breaks down the effectiveness of of the organization you know um i was an airline guy for a while and and when i was first in the company i asked the question so during peak periods, 
when we know there's both holidays, the year-end holidays, and the risk of bad weather, what if we priced it so that there's like a 10 or 15% capacity in the airplanes? You know, you still make the same revenue, but price per person is higher, but you leave capacity in the airplane. That way, when things go sideways, either due to mechanical issues, you got to take the plane out of service or or weather, now you can handle it. You can spread your people across uh, uh, the other the other flights. And so the uh, answer came back, nope, you got to sell the plane out. You always got to be a, go out 100% full. That's where the, and of course your rate is lower per person on average when you do that. And I was always concerned and I, I did see it happen frequently, this, this sort of social tendency to go to the max, whether we're talking about short-term profits or airplane loads going out 100% full. And of course, we saw a huge example of that last holiday season with Southwest Airlines. You know, for decades, had earned a reputation for disciplined operations. That D word is what I think we're talking about is discipline, holding your emotions in check while you're going through the storm. And of course, the original founding management team are not there anymore. And I think they may have slipped into the siren song of you got to go for the maximum right now. And of course, what happened is they caught themselves without that reserve capacity. And it was a disaster. They shredded their their reputation. Now, I can't imagine what it's like to be a Southwest Airlines executive right now because your peers in the other in the other airlines are just laughing like, how did you guys do that? Again, going back to sports, did you see that? You guys totally choked in the playoffs. How do you do this? You know, everyone knows that's not how you run an airline, or in this case, that's not how you run a sports team. So yeah, it is a confession. You can't deny it of bad management when you have these cycles of layoffs. Well, yeah, I imagine it looks uh, better on a short term from a short term thinking uh, approach on a quarterly report. Uh, to be selling out all of our planes then um, versus thinking about this, taking an aerial view and thinking about this as a, a total organizational net profit approach of what is the cost of the inevitable, inevitable exigencies of uh, running a, an airline. It's, it's interesting that you mention emotions because I think we sometimes create silos uh, in our mind that there's an emotional side of things and there's a fiscal side of things. And we, we, of course, acknowledge both, but we still treat them as though they're not synonymous. And I think one of the things this demonstrates for us is that morale is fiscal. Because, you know, this article talks a, a bit about um, the, the effects on employee morale and the difficulty of resetting from investor perception, people dumping shares, the difficult, uh, difficulty resetting from customer perception, customers uh, uh, squinching off pro uh, contracts, uh, and even uh, from a hiring perspective, going back out in the market and trying to reset later by recruiting people, well, you're the company that just did massive layoffs. So morale is fiscal, emotions equal profit. And I, I think the American company in, in many ways, we deal with this a lot across this show, but I think in many ways, the American company is still finding it difficult to accept or almost like specious touchy-feely voodoo to accept that uh, emotions correlate to a, a fiscal reality, that uh, positive emotions, uh, momentum, the, the feeling of connectedness among people and people being connected to a company actually translates into profit. 
Uh, and the, the lack of those things or a break in any of those connections actually translates into lower shareholder value. So you're so right. I, lo I love that. And, and you really put a, a, a you know, a, a light on that describing that there's an emotional component to, uh, to it's trust really, because what is, what is good discipline actually translate into? It's more steady. It's more predictable. And we as humans want to be able to depend on other businesses or other people. And so business discipline, in my opinion, translates into that trust, both from a customer perspective and also into an, uh, from an employee perspective or in everybody who's working there. And that creates sort of that steadiness. Of, yep, I can, I can bank on this team. They're reliable. They're consistent. And what do we talk about in sports? Yeah, they're so consistent. I love it. They can deliver. Instead of, do you want to go with the team that, that's not so predictable? They tend to zigzag. So you, you have two things that are going wrong when you have the mass hiring and then the mass layoffs. You have the uh, breakdown in trust that we just talked about, but then you also have the, the cycle time, the financial cost, literally of having to bring people back when your business goes back into the upswing. So yeah, you're killing yourself in, in two ways and, and it reveals, yeah, your management is bad. <laughs> Because you're not running the business uh, in, a, in a disciplined way. Well, you know, the resort uh, to alternatives to accepting this nexus of, of human wavelength or emotions and uh, fiscal wavelength or, or business is illustrated by um, Zuckerberg, Facebook's Zuckerberg, of his approach of sort of wielding business abstractions. So he starts saying, look, this is, this is the year of efficiency. We're trying to push efficiency, another business abstraction, another, another concept that sort of takes the place of having to deal with that human wavelength, of which Facebook is not noted for, despite all of their, their supposed cred for being a, a social platform. Inevitably, they were formed as a stalking platform in a dysfunctional social mm -hmm. environment where the human wavelength and the emotions were quite skewed. And the, the, the tone deafness of uh, some of that leadership is, is consistently apparent as it was in the last election cycle. So, you know, we often find that um, we think we can say to investors, we think we can say to customers, we think we can say to employers, this is just how business is done, and then appeal to some abstraction like efficiency. Uh, but the, the author of this article um, goes on to note that almost that this is a selective use of concepts in the way, you know, I grew up in sort of a fundamentalist religious environment where I noticed that one day we would selectively use a concept uh, like love, peace, kindness, generosity, and then the other day uh, use a, a selective concept like vengeance and anger. Uh, and it seemed to be contextual, you know, we, we reach for whichever one is convenient at the time. And he's sort of pointing out in a similar way, you can feel Zuckerberg reaching for efficiency as though he just discovered it yesterday. Like seriously, what does that imply about the last decade? Was, was that the decade of inefficiency for, uh, for Facebook? And if so, why should we trust anything you're saying or why shouldn't we take our investor dollars elsewhere? And so that, that sort of uh, approach um, leaves out uh, the human side and it makes me wonder why, as a key concept, we have to have such a dramatic effect when we lay people off. 
uh, we are not acknowledging the relationship. And the, the author goes on to talk about a company that, that managed to do this fairly well. They had layoffs. I think they had like 9% layoffs. And uh, they, but the employee, uh, employees themselves are saying, look, you know, they did it right. Uh, it wasn't an email in the middle of the night. It wasn't tone deaf. We had a conversation and we, under, we understood. Uh, and it was disappointing. It's devastating for anybody because you like the people and you like your job. That emotional thing is real. But even with that company, it made me wonder, look, if we're going to prioritize relationships, it's not just how nice you are when you fire somebody. But if you're going to if you're going to separate people from the company, why does that have to mean the end of the relationship? Why can't there be a permanent ongoing relationship uh, with people that become then consultants for you, people that you maybe tap occasionally to do some contract work, people who you might want to bring back later? Why do we immediately think I've got to dump these people and then eventually go back out and recruit in the market from scratch because I don't have a body of existing, I don't have a crew I can call. And yet every film we, we've seen out there, whether it's Ocean's Eleven or Sneakers or you know The Sting with Robert Redford or whatever, is all predicated on the premise that, hey, when there's work, you call on your crew of contacts, of people you know can do that kind of thing. And you, you reach out and you start bringing those people into the fold. And some of those people work, do a small task for a little while, and some of those people become part of your core crew. But if relationships really do have fiscal value, if that is a priority for us, if we, if we shift that thinking out of the abstract world and into the sort of the human wavelength, why don't we deal with layoffs that way, that they're an opportunity to keep our network larger? I love that. Yes. And that's the way a lot of films get made in LA too, right? The yeah. once, once you stumble on, a director stumbles on both the producers that they like to work with and also every role on set, as well as post-production, they start to bring that crew back together when they can. And sometimes the crew is so good, they'll hold the shoot until, well, I, I, I can't shoot until I get this director of photography and, and all that kind of stuff. So yes, 